Welcome to the Handle with Care podcast, a place where we discuss self-care, spirituality and everything in between. If you're new, make sure to check out the blog and follow the Instagram for all our weekly Moonday insights. I hope you enjoy this episode and please feel free to let me know. Namaste. Welcome back to the Handle With Care podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. This week's featured guest is Nancy Dawkins, the wonderful, creative, fantastic, inspirational goddess that she is. But you already knew that because you read the title and you've been spammed with it on Instagram, no doubt. The first of two shout outs today goes to Ivy, who was eating avocado toast um you know, whilst uh, listening to the last podcast episode, because what else do Irish vegan witches do in the morning? They say the answer is absolutely not once the morning routine is complete. And the second shout out goes, of course, to Maisie. Maisie, who is soon to feature on the podcast. Hello, hello, if you're listening. Maisie is another goddess. And, you know, I'm not going to say too much. All I'm going to say is y'all be excited for next week. Please enjoy this episode. Oh, I interrupt this episode just one last time to speak on behalf of the coronavirus. That is right. I am speaking on behalf of the coronavirus and I am here to say sorry for many things. But right now I'm sorry for the poor sound quality and the the space and the lag and the alien sounds in this episode because the entire planet is using all the Wi-Fi that is available, all the G's from three, four and five. And without further ado, please welcome Nancy to the podcast. Welcome to the Handle with Care podcast. Thank you for having me. So the first thing I would love to know is what is something that you do to handle yourself with care? Um, So I have been pondering this question, obviously, since I knew that I was going to come on the show. And the answer is a lot. Um, (laughs) I do a lot of things (laughs) um, for self-care. And I think maybe the place to start is to kind of give some back story to my self-care practice I guess um yes please yeah so I um have chronic illnesses um I have HSD which is um hypermobility spectrum disorder which I've had for like my whole life um I also have fibromyalgia and then two years ago I developed ME which is also known as chronic fatigue syndrome um Mm -hmm. so basically what that meant is that my entire kind of energy system was just completely flawed. Um, And I was unable to, I was doing my masters at the time and I was unable to continue working on that. Um, So basically my entire life became self-care because it was all about looking after myself, trying to kind of um, balance my energy to develop some kind of sense of normality again in, in what I was physically capable of doing um Mm -hmm. I guess I'll you know for most people your every day is working and kind of getting things done and then you're trying to fit self-care 
around those things that you know your to-do list or whatever uh, whereas for me it's like flipped you know my day-to-day was doing the self-care things looking after yeah. my body and my energy and my you know emotional state um and then it became a case of as I got better fitting work and you know the things you need to do kind of into that so it's sort of like mm-hmm. a flip round which is why when I speak, I'm, I'm going to say a lot of different things that you can do for self-care. I'm not expecting people to be able to do all of these things. Do not try <laughs> and do all of these things if you're also working. Like, it's just impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was able to yeah. do that because I, I didn't work, because I couldn't work. So, yeah, that's a little backstory to that. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds to me like if I could encapsulate that, your self-care is surrender yeah almost yeah surrendering to you know life and what it throws at you it sounds to me like it's very interesting like almost you you were chucked in the deep end of the pool of bitch you need a you know this is your life now you gotta you gotta learn how to adapt and how to swim basically yeah yeah this is it's exactly why I wanted you in the podcast because because I know this of you and what I find so interesting is how I relate to you and don't relate Mm -hmm. so I'll tell you what I mean for you your physical body and you know chronic illness forced you into a life of self-care and That happened to me, but later in my life at a much lesser scale. But before that, I had a similar experience where I was forced into a life of self-care after psychological trauma. So it's interesting how two people can have, you know, two different deep ends, if you know what I mean, but still learn how to swim. Yeah, definitely. And I think the two are very linked Um, Mm -hmm. before I had the, I mean, before I had this kind of severe bout of, of physical illness, I'd, I'd kind of always dabbled with it because HSD is something you're born with. So, um, but I struggled a lot with my mental health as well. Um, and I think a, a lot of it is uh, very intertwined. I would say that, you know, the combination of having an underlying physical illness on top of, um, you know, the stress of day-to-day life and grind culture and you got to get it done and I was you know a kind of high achieving person that felt like I had to keep up with that um and then on top of that dealing with depression and um trauma and things like that I think that all you know accumulated and definitely absolutely yeah impacted the the physical side and and there's massive lots of studies about the link between trauma um, and chronic illness um, and a lot of people either want to dismiss that or uh, use it as a, a reason to dismiss chronic illnesses as, as kind of less real which is ridiculous you know if someone has a heart absolutely attack, someone has a heart yeah. attack, you say this is caused by stress right you know you men I mean that's probably the reason why it's taken more seriously is predominantly men when they have heart attacks they're told keep your stress levels low no one says to them well it's all psychological isn't it it's not real because it's related to stress so yeah 
mm-hmm. the two physical and the mental are incredibly linked and by caring for your physical you're caring for your mental and by caring for your mental and emotional you're caring for your physical and I definitely learned that so um almost profoundly I guess um through yeah Absolutely. The mind-body connection is so, so, so real. And it is why we need more of these conversations and more of this holistic approach to pretty much everything in our life. You know, the what what we have mentally will will manifest physically and vice versa. It's not it's not one way or the other, and it's and it's all combined. And you put that so beautifully just now. <laughs> Good. Well, I hope that I can get people to see that (laughs) (laughs) trust me you do if anyone doesn't um know already I will have it in the show notes but Nancy on Instagram um her name is mouse teeth with like a little score underscore in between and I swear to god you just need to follow her because the the shit that you put up every day is the most inspiring and mind expanding intriguing you know dose of anything that you could get on the daily so would recommend um I I guess before we go any further we should probably talk about how we know each other yeah so I was thinking about this um because I've actually wanted you in the podcast for some time but um you know, under the current life circumstance that we're all in, it didn't seem like it was going to happen. I was thinking about this, and I don't know how I know you exactly. I know that you used to, when the store was open, come into Lush, and that is, for anyone who doesn't already know, where I work um, day to day, and that's Lush Cosmetics. Now, I remember you coming in, and you seem to know a lot of people that I know or work with. So you're always in the background there. And I was almost afraid to approach you because I just liked you so much. I was like, <laughs> I think I've got like a girl crush on this woman, like her style, like she's so interesting. And then for me, you popped up at um, at this local independent bar in Sheffield here where where we live um called Barrow Boy and you were performing there um singing and and playing your guitar and I remember because my ex at the time was also performing that night and and I was just like my goodness the universe keeps sending me this woman who is she (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's strange I don't really I was was trying to think about how we knew each other and Obviously, I remember going to Lush and I know a lot of um, the people who worked with you because I um, used to do burlesque and and performance with some of the girls who worked in Lush. Um, In fact, I used to run um, the burlesque society at the university, which is now still City Sirens. I didn't know that. I I was the president um, in 2000. God, what year did I graduate? 2013? Wow. Yeah, so that's how I knew a lot of the girls who worked at Lush and a, and a lot of people there. Um, so I knew, you know, I knew Ivy from, I was a president when they were there. They are one of my top listeners and I freaking love <laughs> them so much. If anyone wants to follow 
um, Poison Ivy. They are a burlesque mm-hmm. dancer and they have an upcoming show with um, Spectre. Mm, Spectre, Spectre Burlesque. And I think it's part of a, a new collective now as well, which the name escapes um, me. Discord, maybe? That's mm-hmm. it, House of Discord. So drop a little pin there and yeah, carry yeah, on. <laughs> um, so obviously I knew Ivy and then um, through those people I, I met um, Maddie and um, other people. I can't really remember who else worked at Lush. It feels like, it feels like everyone worked at Lush, but I'm <laughs> not sure that's true. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and then I remember coming in and seeing you there. I also remember seeing you at a Spectre show um at uh or what is it the place behind um dina oh yeah um and then obviously at the the gig that i played at barrow boy as well and i was trying to think what it was that made me message you about working together with the poetry stuff which we can talk about in in a bit as well but i can't remember what it was that made me reach out to you I can't remember if I knew that you I think we were like I think we were flirting over social media for some time like you know begging each other (laughs) off and then (laughs) oh I remember I messaged you initially um about the the gig you were performing Mm -hmm. at because um technical issues with the with the setup and stuff and then and then we we set a foundation there didn't we (laughs) um and what a beautiful friendship and you know sisterhood that we have born out of this. So, so we're doing this poetry thing now, and that's what Nancy means when she says, you know, working mm-hmm. together. And um, so, what what what's this poetry thing that we're doing? What, what, so, what are we doing? Creation poetry um, is our little baby. It's nothing to do with religion. I'm aware that the creation in that title <laughs> can be a little misleading. Um, it's too late to change now you know (laughs) um so it started off as um I was working um volunteering at a local library um Broomhill Community Library and they were trying to put together um more groups and engagement with the public that that brought in a different demographic so they they had kids you know younger kids covered and kind of retired people covered, but the kind of middle ground was not so much. Um, so I was like, okay, I know lots of creative people. I'm gonna put on some creative workshops. I'm a poet myself. So I was like, okay, first I wanna do poetry. Um, and I talked to you, and this is a bit I can't really remember what, why it was, I, I knew that you'd, that you were a poet obviously I must have known that you because you've done some kind of um poetry work yes I remember I remember so you you messaged me basically like seeking like a bit of I don't know like advice or guidance or whatnot um, and little did you know that I came from a therapeutic background and used to work in mental health and I would run creative workshops um, and many things and then this kind of filters through into my everyday life now and I run workshops for you know Lush Cosmetics and stuff um, but I, I was so excited by your little face popping up in my in my inbox and I was like oh my god okay well if you ever do want to work together with 
you know, I'm here. <laughs> and then um, to my delight, you um, you took me up on that whenever you decided mm-hmm. to do this thing. Um, and that was, you know, raising money for a charitable cause, this local library, which is just fantastic. Like you do so much work for charity. I love it. Um, so that that birthed our mm-hmm. creation poetry. And then I think since we done one incredible workshop and it was fantastic and we had this plan to build up to a, an immense open mic night and you know people uh, we we were prepping people to perform who had never performed mm-hmm. before the idea of workshops um but then it just so happened that um you know corona gave us a visit the planet and we had to take it all online which in actual fact is you know more favorable for us now because we're doing this thing this poetry online creation exactly and so we did an open mic last month and it went so well um and it was so great and I think also as someone who has chronic illnesses having something that's online that you can do from your home is so good you know it doesn't take anything near as much energy it's so much more accessible everyone else so we have decided that we're going to do more and we're going to try and do them semi-regularly um so we we want to shall we announce it should i announce it let's announce it um our next open mic with creation poetry is on the 20th of this month um so it's like in a week and a bit um in a week and a bit, get it in your diary, get the time. It's at half six to half nine. Seven, oh my God, nine. I'm making a rhyme. <laughs> half seven to nine on the 20th um, of May. Um, if you want to um, sign up to get a slot to do the open mic or if you just want to know more information and eventually get the Zoom link um, on the day, um, follow creation colon poetry. That's the group on Facebook. Um, and we'll post in a, a Facebook event. Um, I will link everything in the description below. You will not be subject to my horrific rapping on the night, I swear. Um, and it is from half seven. Maybe yeah. I said half six. Also, I do want to say it like, yes, if you're more of a homebody, it's amazing that it is online and accessible. But for me, it's amazing because I am unapologetically lazy. And two, I just love the comfort of my own home. Like I love open mics as it is. I love the atmosphere. I love the buzz. But now that I've had a little taste for what it's like just to dip in and out online, it is freaking fantastic. So yes, that is in a week and a bit, Wednesday the 20th, 20th. the 20th from half seven to nine. Woo! Okay, so poetry partner in crime we're not actually here to talk about poetry are we we are here to talk about Mm -hmm. the self-care and as we covered in your intro I think you have a lot to say about yes definitely um so before I I um came on you know you'd given me some kind of sections I guess I was like I don't know how to break down my immense self-care practice into kind of bite-sized chunks um (laughs) so you gave me a a daily weekly and monthly um exactly 
Exactly. Yeah. So in my one of my first episodes in the podcast here, Self Care 101, if if you haven't already listened, um, I basically I section self-care. I dissect it into three strands. And like you said, it's every day, every week, every month. But those strands in themselves are almost multi multi-dimensional with the physical, mental, and then the soul filling, you know, spiritual, mm-hmm. religious side. Um, so th- that's the context of which I kind of talk to you about. Um, so so where would you like um, to dive So in? I think I'll start with daily stuff, because that tends to be the easiest things, the things that are kind of more, um, I was going to say common sense, but I didn't do a lot of them before I got ill, so probably not. <laughs> they seem like common sense now. Um, <laughs> you know, the things that are are just sort of more easy to do. Uh, And I I want to really preface this by saying that I say daily, I do them nearly every day. Um, Don't, I think the thing that, you know, that can be a problem with with self-care discussions, right, is that you're just adding another thing that you have to do to self-life. And when you're already thinking, you know, okay, I want to get involved in more self-care because I need a break and I need to look after myself more. Adding it as just another thing that you have to accomplish that, you know, comes with guilt if you don't achieve it or whatever is just completely going the opposite direction. So, you know, especially when I was really ill, a lot of these things I wasn't doing every day, but on the days that I could do them, I did them and they'd make me feel better and they'd make me feel like I had more control um, and that I was, you know, doing something for myself, even if I couldn't really do anything else. Um, so, yeah, I just really want to make that so clear yeah. that I say I do them every day. I do pretty much do them every day now because I'm physically capable of doing and I can do these things and do other things as well, you know, whereas for a while it was, I could do these things and only those things. And if I had something else I needed to do, I had to drop them in order to do that. Um, so yeah, it's it's not about pressuring yourself into making sure that you do these things every day and you know, you're bad and you, you're bad at self-care if you don't do them every day. It's not, <laughs> not. I absolutely agree. I, I always think of that quote from um, Eat, Pray, Love at the very end. And it's like, it's about life balance, right? You know, you can have a balanced day and do all the things and, you know, fulfill yourself in every cup that you have. But also you need to think about the whole spectrum of your entire life and how that balances out. So if that means, you know, you go on a bender for one week or, you know, you go explore the world for like a month, you know, that, and you can't do your self-care every day because you're on a plane or you're here, there and the other, or like, who knows, you're in India finding yourself like that is, it's still your self-care. So yes, when we talk about daily things, it's, it's daily when exactly, you do it on those exactly. days. Um, so the things I put for that are um, skincare, Um no, I didn't really have a much of a skincare routine. I mean, I, I did a bit, but not as elaborate um, before I got ill. Um, I've always mm. been very careful with my skin. I have very sensitive skin. I had quite bad acne as a teenager. So I was kind of very early on aware of, um, you know, needing to cleanse and moisturize and exfoliate and doing all that stuff. But it wasn't until I got really 
ill and had more time with myself um, that I really started getting into that. So I do that every morning and every night. Um, and I think for me, you know, there's been a lot of kind of weird discourse around skincare and how it's this um, another way of getting money out of women about not and all that and mm -hmm. I, I completely can see where that comes from in that you know pretty much every woman I know has a skincare routine pretty much every man I know doesn't um in my eyes yeah. that's sad for the men not for the women <laughs> to any man listening right now you just need to know that you yeah. are worthy of exactly. a skincare and if you need any advice you know you just message me or nancy and we will hook you up exactly, brother. Exactly. i mean i think that for me it was so important to have something in the day where you know you're you're caring for yourself and i think i've really learned about mm -hmm. the kind of transformative nature of being clean and water and all of those things through being ill um you know, and on days when I couldn't shower or couldn't have a bath or, you know, I could still, mm. most of the time, again, going to preface that, most of the time I could still, you know, wash my face or put on some moisturiser or just do a little face spritz, you know? Um, yeah, and are, are you, like, also, when you when you talk about your daily skincare routine, um, I'm guessing, like, just drinking yeah. water and, you know, things like that is... Is, mm -hmm, definitely you know, and drinking water is actually another one on my list I honestly I don't know how I used to survive I used to just not drink water like like literally <laughs> I, I'd drink cups of tea I'd you know occasionally whatever I just didn't you said drink water. Oh. I don't understand how I survived <laughs> at all and now I drink two liters a day and if I don't I really feel thirsty and I just never used to feel first so bizarre to think back to how I literally how I lived um it, it's crazy I think we've all been there I think that's like a, such a teenage thing and I don't know where the universe gets this weird unlimited supply of water that it gives teenagers but if anyone knows uh, <laughs> let us know could you um could you tell us like what what is your skincare routine like what what kind of things you do so you mentioned mm -hmm. like exfoliation okay, so and moisturizing. I, in the morning I use a um cleansing cleanser <laughs> um <laughs> but I always <laughs> use an oil-based cleanser um I usually use ultra bland from Lush um if you could see me my face <laughs> is so happy and I've got my my hand and my heart like yes girl so I use that she I knows. have really sensitive skin and really dry skin so having something that doesn't peel away the moisture is really important so I use that um mm -hmm. put it on rinse it off with a hot washcloth um and then I use a konjac sponge just to like oh, really lightly exfoliate I used to use quite a lot of like heavy scrubs on my face and they're just not not good mm. at all. skin is too mm. sensitive for that um too pale too thin you know just with breaking it so having the really the sponge like pulls out um impurities um sebum is that the is that the word 
for the stuff in the <laughs> it yeah, pulls that so, out, um, but really yeah. gently and it just feels real good um but you have to make sure to like boil it every now and then so it doesn't go gross <laughs> um, yeah I do that um and then I'll use a, a face spray a rose spray um I've used the lush one I've used um pixie one I've used um Mario whatever his last name is mm. that I can't remember um <laughs> we love you Mario um just a rose spray any any spray I love I love rose so much um and then I moisturize I use um Embryolis um lay cream concentrate which is oh my god if I could recommend one thing to everyone it would be this moisturizer <laughs> it is so good it's quite it's not super expensive but it's like on the more pricey side but you can use it as a I use it as moisturizer every day you can use it as a makeup remover you can use it as a mask um it's just oh my goodness oh my God, I want to give this a try from like boots and high street places it's it's you know you don't have to order it especially whatever it's but it's so good and it's really it can be really heavy if you use a lot of it if you use a little bit it can be really light so it's great for loads of different skin types it's one of those ones that like uh, makeup artists in fashion week and stuff use to prime model skin skin gets so Ooh. I, need, I need some of that girl okay you're gonna, you're gonna send me a link and i'm gonna try it and i'm gonna review it and then i'm gonna Do share it. with it's everyone what so i think good. and it's really great with makeup over it as well um makes everything look really flawless um and then i think a rose Amazing. oil on top um if you have really dry skin like me um that's like kind of I'm prone to like dry bits and like if I get spots they'll dry and they'll become like scabby even if I don't pick them and then I also do pick mm. them which makes it even worse um so an oil just mm. like softens all that up and heals it really well um so yeah that's my morning skincare and then at night I basically do the same but instead of the Embryoli Slay Cream I use Nivea Creme which again this is another skincare tip right it's like two pounds for a pot sometimes TK Maxx sells massive pots of it like massive and they're in metal tins as well which means that it's you know um better for the planet um for five pounds and it literally will last you a year it's like incredible oh, stuff. It it's like a really old um, recipe. It's one of those creams that you smell it and it and it smells like old women. <laughs> which inner my inner old woman is rubbing her hands together like a little gremlin. It's so good. Like, it's so this. cheap, but it's so, it's one it's one of those like secret in the know things. Like um... <laughs> you heard <laughs> it here like, first. Oh, it's so cheap and it smells like old women, but it's so good. And you, I use it as lotion as well it's really <laughs> thick and really heavy so if you have greasy skin probably not for you but if you're like me and you need that moisture overnight it's just like oh sucks everything in keeps it all moist and lovely um yeah beautiful well what, now we know why um you always glow so i get a lot of comments so, so on the glow much. and I'm like, you know, this is the thing I've noticed, right? Is that people will always say my skin looks amazing, even if it's covered in spots. You know, on my days when I've got breakouts, it's like three days before my period, you know, there's red blotches everywhere. If I'm glowing, 
people yeah. will always be like your skin is amazing and I'm like I don't know how I don't know how <laughs> you think it's amazing right now it's so blotchy and but the glow people love the glow man it just covers everything people don't see anything else <laughs> yes hashtag glow up exactly so <laughs> yeah real. that's Amazing. So, so we've talked about skincare in two different ways. You know what you put on your body um, and what you um, consume, mm-hmm. um, i.e., your water. What What else is in your um, your everyday so self care? I read every day. Um, this for me is a big one. Reading is what really grounds me. Uh, so every. Mm. I can kind of change it into something else as well it doesn't have to be reading I'm not I find it there's a lot of snobbery around reading and a lot of like oh you don't read it's just not for everyone I get that but what I would say is Mm. I used to go to bed with my phone um next to me and I'd wake up in the morning and the first thing I'd do Mm. would be on my phone um and especially with having fibromyalgia this is a, a really common thing with people with fibromyalgia is that in the morning you're really stiff and achy so I can never just jump out of bed straight away. There's always has to be a period of kind of like waking up and making my body kind of aware of what's happening, uh, kind of moving through mm. that ache and that pain and like waking it up slowly. So I have to have something to do in bed that kind of does that, um, that process of sort of like waking myself up. And for a while that was my phone. Um, but if anything, being on my phone in the morning just made me feel so exhausted. Um, so now it does, it really does. You're getting it constant um, kind of information you don't really realize and you don't really realize how long you've been on it. And I'm really not anti-technology. I feel like there's a lot of like, oh, millennials are on their phone too much, blah, blah, blah. I think it can do amazing things. I think it can bring people closer <laughs> as, as much as it can bring them apart. I think that it's, so I'm not like anti-technology in that way, but I do think that it's just not great to be the first thing that you do first thing in the morning. Um, no, it's definitely not. And I, I spoke briefly about this in my um, one of my episodes on, you know, morning habits that cultivate happiness. And the thing is, like, when you're waking up, the waking mind, it's like a baby's mind. You're literally being born again into a new day. And you're so susceptible to everything. Your brain is trying to piece together every bit of information it can to, you know, plonk you into reality and out of dreamland. And then when you open your phone and you're you're completely out of control of what content, you know, you're exposing yourself to, to a degree... And you're getting all these signals and messages and colors and whatnot. And your mind is, you know, unbeknown to yourself, consuming that to picture your reality. And then it can it can be quite, you know, ungrounding. So I totally agree with you there. And I'm so, so, so yeah, glad definitely. that you said and, it. And I've replaced that because I know that, you know, for a lot of people, it's just take your phone away. You'll get up straight away. For me, I knew that wasn't the case. I wouldn't be able to get up straight away. It's just not realistic for me. So instead, I a book that I'm reading Mm. by the side of my bed. So every morning I will read for maybe half an, um, maybe like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, sometimes half an hour if I'm really engrossed in the book. Um, And as I do that, I will drink an entire bottle of water. So it does two things. It it means that I'm waking up 
and then I'm not going straight from bed into like standing, mm. which is just not okay for me. It goes from lying to kind of sitting up with a book, waking myself up, and drinking a whole bottle of water. So before I even mm. leave bed, I have had what? How much is six hundred milliliters of water? Start your day off, and I'm mm. also working my my brain up, and my body feels more ready. And I feel more inspired because I've been reading. Um, so yeah, to me, reading is just, reading is just so like the beautiful. best thing. To, it calms me, it grounds me, it wakes me up, it you know puts me to sleep. It, it's all those things that if I don't do it, I really feel the lack of it. Um, but there's something so nice about that about that cycle that you have where you take the book to bed and you wake up with the book I don't know I can't that just feels so wholesome and 360 and nice for me because I think sometimes what we can do is we can go to bed feeling ungrounded and unsettled and it and because it's the last thing that you know sometimes you can wake up with it you know so I feel like preparation for the morning does begin the night before and when you have that beautiful cycle like you you know, you go to bed on a on a nice calm note. You wake up on a calm note, and you continue it until you know you start yeah, your I day. Think that's so that's lovely. That really, um, almost religious about in in that. If I don't do that, I I can feel the difference. You know, there was a week a a couple of weeks ago where I I was doing loads. I was um, recording this covers album that I released, and I was doing some a uh, like performance art piece and I was just doing so much and had because obviously I know that in order to do things sometimes I have to drop other things because I have to balance my energy it was like oh I don't have the energy to do this thing I don't have the energy to read in the morning so I'm going to be doing these things and and it, I got to a point where I realized I hadn't read for like five days which was so unlike me and I was just going insane you know completely up in the air and, <laughs> yeah um, not grounded and not in in myself I guess um so yeah I was like I need to start reading again <laughs> where's my book <laughs> um yeah definitely I think finding that thing that really makes you feel calm and centered and but also connected you know reading isn't about it's it's about yourself as much as it is about the world and about other people and that's so I think it's because it can be so centering mm -hmm. and kind of self-facing but it can also be so other facing and, and bring connectivity um yeah so finding that finding the thing that makes you feel that way I think is so important beautiful beautiful so we've talked about mm -hmm. two everyday things that you do for self-care kind of can you give us a third before okay. we, we move um, into kind of like oh weekly God, like multiple ones I'm gonna run two together um so one is meditation and one is gratitude journaling um, so I Ooh, lovely I want to be really careful when I talk about meditation because I feel like it can be quite limiting as to what we we have this assumption of what it is and a lot of people it doesn't appeal to them I think what meditation is is really just slowing down mm. for a bit um I have to nap nearly every day um and in order to do that, to switch your brain from, you know, being awake to napping in the daytime, 
I have to have something to calm down. Now, sometimes that is a standard meditation, you know, sitting with your legs crossed. And I'm lucky that I was brought up on that. So I'm I'm quite good at doing that. Um, but some people aren't. Um, and sometimes I'm not. And on days when I'm not, I like to watch ASMR videos. I just love ASMR and I think if you are one of those lucky people who experiences ASMR tingles, um, using it as a relaxation tool in order to slow down and like allow you to have a rest or whatever is just so good. Um, can I ask a question? Um, can I just drop a pin here for a little tangent? Um. I so I know some people who like just love ASMR and yes. ASMR isn't that it? Well, first of all, what, do. Does, what actually, does it stand for? Do you know? Just a sec. My my friend, um, such favorite person in the world, Courtney Askey, actually wrote a book on ASMR called "The Internet Gave Me Brain Tingles." Oh. Um, and just was just behind me. <laughs> it is stands for. Um, I could probably just Google this, but seeing as it's right here, I'm hoping it will say something. I know it's auto-sensory something-something. Um, take your take your time. I I can literally I can literally <laughs> edit out this gap, or I can fill it. I can fill it with my beautiful la 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 autonomous la, sensory la. meridian response. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, autonomous uh, sensory meridian response. Oh, it all makes sense. It works with your meridians. I didn't know that. That wasn't even my question. My question was: mm-hmm. so ASMR, like videos, it's it's all like sound based, and it it kind of feels like you're. I've listened to one in headphones before mm-hmm. where you feels like you're getting your hair cut. And then other ones I've just, I've watched videos where people mm-hmm. are making sounds with, you know, everyday objects. And my question is, can you get the same feeling you get from ASMR that you get, mm-hmm. you know, from in person, someone, you know, tapping yeah, on things or, you know, yourself. I'm super sensitive to ASMR. Um, in fact, I'm super sensitive to a lot of things, but I remember when I first got ASMR and I was five or maybe a little bit younger um, and I was playing with a Playmobil farm. Um, I actually have a really weird, <laughs> like a really weird relationship with ASMR in that I sometimes get it in situations that are a little bit embarrassing um, or where I can feel, you know, that kind of secondhand cringe feeling. I'm super sensitive to that and sometimes I hate it, but sometimes Oh my! Okay. Yeah, <laughs> ASMR is a feeling. Like a, then a response that's associated yeah. with a feeling. So sometimes if I see someone doing something that's a little bit wrong or a little bit, the way that I explain it now is some, when I see people doing things that show that they ha- are separate humans to me. So if someone, you know, if if people were, this is a, I have thought about this a lot. So this is an incredibly strange um, analysis of my experience. <laughs> I get it in kind of normal situations as well. I get it in quiet environments when people are turning pages in library or people eating in libraries. I get it a lot from that. Um, But I also get it um, when people are doing kind of like repetitive everyday tasks. And if they do something a little bit wrong, I'll get it then. 
yeah, I think it is. It's when <laughs> Can you give us an example? people show themselves to kind of have separate lives to me. So like if someone, I remember I got it once um, really strongly when I was in the library. It happens much more in libraries because they're really quiet spaces um, and it heightens that sense, I guess. Um, and I was getting a, a hot chocolate from the like um, cafe in the university library and she was putting marshmallows in it and she dropped the marshmallows and I got it down. And that was like a combination of different things is that she'd said, oh, I'll put some marshmallows in. So that's one, people often get it from like acts of care. Um, so that, that was that kind of because she'd chosen yeah. to do that. I hadn't asked for it. She was like, oh, I'll get you some marshmallows. You know, it's late night and you're working hard. Plus the dropping them, which is kind of this little like sort of cringe, but also, I don't know, there's something about like someone doing something wrong, which makes you kind of feel oh, wow, you're, you're a person? Like, you aren't... There's this word that, so non-playable characters, <laughs> NPC characters in, in, like, games and, like, um, you know, gaming games, is players you can't play, and their existence is just there to, like, facilitate the protagonist's game, right? And I think there are things that people yeah. do that show them to not be just NPCs in my life. You know, it's like you're your existence isn't just to make me hot chocolate. If it was, you'd do it perfectly. <laughs> oh my God. I love this. This is actually making me understand it a lot. Um, I'm weird. It, I'm I guess weird a, a massive... if, if there's anyone else who gets in these situations, please contact me because I've never found anyone who does that. People do get instances of care. So I think, People, there are people in the world who would get it from like the marshmallows being given like without you asking because that's like a moment of care. It's in a quiet environment. People get it from watching people do repetitive tasks as well. Um, but I have that extra added element of like things are a little bit doing something wrong or a little bit cringy. <laughs> I understand it now. I understand the... Um the the space between you and the person doing it I understand that it takes you know another um person mm -hmm. in order to create that feeling at times um that is so interesting I can't say that I have fully experienced ASMR but I I think I have had a taste of it I think maybe we all have had a taste of it um I know for me, and maybe this is related, maybe it isn't, but I get very, very like excited when I'm on my way to work and I know that I'm going to call into my favorite coffee shop or coffee cafe, it depends what way I walk, um, and I'm going to get a coffee. And before, when I'm walking up to the cafe, I can hear myself before I speak and I'm like, <laughs> just a filter coffee please just a back brew and <laughs> it brings me no immense of comfort knowing that when I go into the cafe and I hear the steam and I hear the clink 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 of the cups and I see you know I'm, I'm wondering oh what barista will it be today and and my brain is almost ahead of time and I'm creating the environment and the sounds that bring me so much I think comfort that there is before really about it even comfort happens and comfiness that ASMR really kind of embodies it is a specific sensory experience it's like a tingling in the back of your head but the emotional experience that can be around it and the situations in, in which it happens I think everyone experiences so I, I have had ASMR in coffee shops because you, you think of it, 
often if it's like in a daytime when people are working on their laptops, you can hear like keys tapping, um, hear spoons clinking. If it's a kind of hushed mm. environment, less so if it's like a super busy cafe, but it's kind of hushed and people tend to be like on their own and mm. doing things kind of, and there's this sort of methodical um, way of working to the, the workers that are there and people, little sounds and that sense of kind of, is that is yeah. that why people whispering are always whispering in like, those videos thing. it's about it's something that comes out of quietness I used to get it really strongly when I was a kid and my granny used to brush my hair and it would be really quiet and she'd be brushing my hair and my granny always spoke really softly like always even when she was not whispering and like that that's oh a really goodness. common experience of people having it as well Oh my gosh, should we like, should we record an episode and um, um, speak really quietly? I have actually, I've, my voice is far too loud for that. I have, um, people have said to me before that I would love you to do like an ASMR video or something. I think with, when I work with Lush, sometimes I give guided meditations <laughs> and I turn on my ASMR voice, I guess. Good. I think you do a good one. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so we went on a tangent there how did we get on the topic of asmr it was it was something that you do every day um what and how it? asmr facilitates yes. that for me i guess um yeah and gratitude journaling which i also do as part of my rest and meditation every day i just write down 10 things that i was grateful for that day Oh, you're giving me ASMR tingles. Okay, maybe you're not, but I'm definitely getting tingles um, in my heart. Okay, not not anywhere else. Okay, anyone listening, it's not that kind of tingle. I love you, Nancy, in many ways. Oh my God, I have turned into such a creep. This is what happens. <laughs> this is what happens when you talk to me about ASMR. I get all weird. <laughs> I love I love the gratitude journal and I'm yeah, very grateful definitely. Um, for this moment right now yeah I mean should we move on to weekly I realize I've talked for so long just about a third of the things that I've written down so that is that is so fine because all that means is that we're gonna get you back on the podcast again honestly I think I can have you there's just so much for you to say um and it's absolutely fantastic so <laughs> Welcome to your introductory episode. Um, let's okay, move so on again, to weekly self-care. A loose term here. Most of the things on these lists I do more than weekly, but again, that's because I have the time to because I can't work. Um, so, or work less than most people do. Um, so yeah, I mm -hmm. guess these are things that I think are helpful to work into your kind of weekly routine. Um, if you're like me and you just love self-care loads, do them way more than that, I guess. Um, so my first one is baths. Yeah. I have so many baths. <laughs> so many baths. Um, <laughs> I bath more than I shower. Um, you are preaching to the choir here. I too. I used to really dislike I'm a bath creature, and I used to think that it was just 
boring. And I think that really shows the massive shift in my understanding of, of energy and, and rest um, is how much I now love baths. Um, I'm, I'm going to say something sure. very controversial. I'm going to say that anyone who doesn't like baths just hasn't had agree. the right bath yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Basically. And that's my, pretty much we'll just end the episode here. Baths, really, is that they're just amazing. <laughs> and um, for me, they, they, I started having them a lot as a, just purely as a pain relief. Um, they were one of the ways that I could feel comfortable pretty much for a while the only place that I could feel not in as much pain um especially using like Epsom salts um muscle soaks things like that um yeah really help with that but I think they're just a great time because you can't really do anything I mean I say that I listen to audiobooks in the bath I sometimes watch tv I listen to music a lot sing in the bath um but you know you can't do anything with your hands because they're wet and so it's just a time to like yeah kind of surrender to not doing anything and not moving and um I think they're really important and that's basically all I really have for baths. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Like when I get really, really restless um, and I feel like all out of sorts or, um, oh, oh, if I feel like um, negative old habits creeping up that kind of are triggering for me for like binging. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, I have a history with um, an eating disorder um, many different ones, but one of them is binge eating Um and if I ever feel triggered or I can sense a binge, you know, you know, building within my body, I just literally plonk myself in the bath because something happens when you're immersed in water and you're in that super comforting environment where it really slows down time. And it really, for me at least, you know, it kind of, eases all those um negative thoughts or negative um Definitely. mind patterns that just form habits. a real sense of kind of mm -hmm. rebirth not to get too sort of um i don't know nancy you can get all woo woo <laughs> in this podcast like i literally talk about you know witchcraft and you know manifesting <laughs> things in your life for self-care so yes you can yeah, you can go yeah. there honey it is a rebirth you, you emerge and in a new body <laughs> that was really noticeable when I was ill you know if I'd had days in bed often I can't leave the house for for weeks so time times when I couldn't leave bed for you know days um so getting into a bath and coming out and feeling clean and feeling softened and feeling like you're going, you know, into, I'd usually go and have a rest after I have a bath because it makes you sleepy. Going into your bed, feeling like you're, you're doing that for a purpose rather than just, I exist here now, this is my life. It's like, oh, I'm clean and I'm new and I'm slipping into some sheets and I'm all <laughs> silky and good, you know? Um, <laughs> I totally yeah, I, I totally well, agree yes I really 
um, a practice, I guess, that I sort of started during my illnesses of having this real strong kind of sensory awareness of myself and my body, which is really difficult, but so important if you have physical illnesses, because you need to be able to listen to your body and respond to it so that you're not pushing it too hard. And having a bath kind of routine that involved mm. like dry brushing and um, exfoliating and like putting on different lotions and, and, you know, foot massages and hand massages on yourself. It's all self-soothing, but it's also like becoming more in tune with how things feel to you. You know, if you stop and you you feel that brush on your skin, you you become more accustomed to understanding how certain things make your body feel and cultivate that awareness in a kind of mm. soothing and um a, a kind of contrived environment it's like this is you know I've given myself this space to do this it then comes more naturally in everyday situations of being able to be like okay what's my body feeling right now do I need to rest? Do I need to lie down? Do I need to sit down? Am I standing and it's hurting? Am I standing and it's feeling good? Like, you know, is having that awareness, building up your mm -hmm. sensory understanding of your own body is so, so beneficial for making sure that you're not pushing it too hard. That is so beautifully put. And, you know, I never really fully thought about it like that before and it is it's really true because there's there's two different um mindsets when it comes to this kind of set aside sacred time for self-care and you know one is that you are you're self-caring and you're in the moment and and you're really um lapping up that feeling and that sense of nurture and you know unapologetically as well and then the second kind of um sphere around it is also how you're gonna feel afterwards and how you bring it you know how you expand it into every other um corner of your yeah. of your day of your feeling of your mood of your life I think that the um, idea I, that I think you put that really well often stops people from doing it um in fact this leads on nicely into a next point yeah. which was about film um so I, I watch a lot of films um the thing that I miss most um from being in lockdown is going to the cinema um because there's a similar rebirth feeling of going into a cinema especially if it's light mm. and coming out and it's still light and you know I love I think that it's an incredible way of um unwinding and feeling inspired and it's amazing but I think the reason that links in is because for a lot of people and this is, applies the same with reading as well a lot of people think about you know watching films or watching tv or having a bath or reading and be like I don't have the time for that I can't carve out time from my life to do that like I don't self-care isn't accessible to me in that way because I just don't have mm -hmm. the time to do it what I have realized is that, mm. you know, especially as someone who is a creative, you know, I write and I, and so for me, inspiration is a massive need. Watching a film and reading a book, as much as it feels nurturing yeah. and it feels calming and it is a moment of self-care, it's also offering inspiration for my work. 
in that way, it is integral to the work that I do. Yes. And in the same way, you know, watching, sometimes Absolutely. I just watch loads of episodes of Parks and Recreation or Broad City because I love it because I need to unwind because it makes my brain feel less active and it makes me feel comforted. And some people feel guilty and bad about that. But what I say is you are, yeah, you're carving time out of your day to do something for yourself, for that moment, for the indulgence of it, for not for all of that. But also it's helping the rest of your life. And I think that's what being ill really made me realize is if I have a day when I really feel like I just want to sit and watch rubbish TV that makes me feel soothed, that's what I do. And I need to do it in order for at some point in mm. the future for me to be able to do something other than that. I totally agree. And I think that you kind of, yeah, you touched upon it where this feeling of guilt. And um, I do feel that the concept of escapism mm -hmm. is, you know, looked upon harshly in society when escapism isn't actually, you know, that bad, depending on the context. And it's actually more complex than than we give it credit for. So, you know, some people escape and run away to freaking mm -hmm. I don't know, the other side of the world for a month. And then some people might escape for a day into a series or a movie. And if that, you know, takes you out of your head and into, you know, somewhere else for a time and it gives you space mm -hmm. at the same time as making you feel, you know, comforted and soothed and just like exactly. you put it on wine, then the what the heck is wrong with that? Escapism can be misleading because you aren't escaping from life you're still you're still living you know it, it, it's it's not that oh I'm I'm living and this is real life and then yeah. I go and watch a film and I'm not anymore it's no it's all integrated watching films watching tv I'm learning I'm understanding I'm gaining inspiration I'm relaxing which makes you know your body better it makes your whole being better in everything is linked to everything and everything that you do is mishmashed all together to create the person that you are duality it is so true because even when you're watching something you're watching it from yourself in relation to the thing um and that that is so perfect I was I was thinking about you uh, last week when I was um watching a movie and I wonder I wonder how what your view is on this so I was watching the Joker the new one um I rented it on Amazon which is one of the best movies I've ever watched in my life I actually will watch it over and over again I know um but that movie just like it had me hooked like absolutely hooked and it didn't take my eyes off the screen and um I thought a, a, a thought popped up and it was um I do watch a lot of movies and, and a lot of Netflix, um, but I often marry it with other things. So, like, sometimes I find myself on my phone and then other times, like, literally the other day, I binged a whole series on Netflix while I spent the day making um, handcraft uh, macrame plant hangers. And I just wondered what your thought is on, you know, watching something and doing something else at the same time, this multitasking, because there's a lot to be said about, you know, the benefit of not multitasking. Um, and I know sometimes it, it 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 doesn't sit well with me when I watch something mm -hmm. and then I have Definitely. to pause it and replay and it because it I really lost it, you know? To 
understand both aspects of that. So what I, my body, I guess, really taught me through illness is the amount of energy that things take that you do not even realize. So I used to watch a lot of things whilst knitting. Um, and then when I was super ill, I remember being like, mm. I'm so exhausted. I don't know why I'm so exhausted. I've just, I haven't been doing anything. I've just been sitting and watching TV. Like, I don't know why I feel worse today. And, and the partner that I was with at the time said, well, you've been knitting as well. You know, you're doing a physical task. that's also mentally a task because you're having to focus on what you're knitting and also you know mental stimulation mm. from watching something you're you're doing a lot what what feels like for a healthy person I guess whatever that really means what seems like a restful activity actually you realize how much energy it takes to do it um, it was a really big stretch for me to then mm. start doing things one at a time so watching film on its own knitting on its own listening to an audiobook on its own um, and I became able to do that a lot better than I used to be able to because I used to be very fiz- fidgety. And this is one reason why I love cinema. I love cinema so much because you go into the cinema and you watch that film and that is all you are doing. It's so true. And, you know, the more I think about it, the more like... um of societal conditioning that I see crop up because we're so like on to the next thing, on to the next thing and accomplishment and completion. And when you when you start watching something, you you almost you're almost in a race to, you know, complete it as well, right? Because it's it's that, you know, high speed world that we were used to you know, that we're kind of coming out of now with this whole quarantine season. Um, And it's interesting how people can marry the things together. And I think there's definitely like a sweet spot, isn't there? I think I, I believe that everyone on the planet at this moment in time is learning to embrace this more slower pace. And I would just say a mindful lifestyle of, you know, focusing on one thing at a time and actually how that is, much more um fruitful for well one productivity into you know mental clarity and then at the same time if you know multitasking is relaxing for you in a sense and it's and you don't need to hyper focus on something and I, I guess what I'm thinking of is something in the background you know your white noise your background noise maybe that's immensely comforting to you and you know it doesn't take away from the core thing that you're doing then do it as Definitely. well I, I think, think it's, it's all, all like giving take and, and balance and you know thresholds are where your energy threshold are you know what what feels good to you and I think a lot of people what the the problem there and then a solution to that is that a lot of people don't really know what feels good to them or assume something feels good and then if they really stopped would be like whoa this is actually taking up so much energy and I think that's when I talked about the sensory awareness I think meditation is great with that bathing is great with that you know having different senses around you having good smells in your home and you know all of that stuff it it heightens awareness of how to feel what your body is feeling Mm. also masturbation like masturbation is incredibly important in my self-care routine like 
Yes, she went there. I, I didn't know whether so to put it in my daily or weekly there. routine. Round of applause. But that's been hugely important to me. And especially <laughs> you know, when I was ill, I felt so unsexy. I cut all my hair off. I, w I wasn't blonde for the first time in years. And I felt that I wasn't, I didn't feel sexy and I didn't feel, I, I'd become kind of detached from my body because it was a, a place of pain and a place of fatigue um, and something that felt like it, it was separate from me, yeah. you know? Um, and being a massive, existentialist that's mm -hmm. the the being more aware of your body and less aware of your internal life and how, how they link together can just become so alienating and you 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 kind of lose part of yourself and I think having a practice I guess I'm going to call it a practice of right of of loving it is a practice it is a radical practice of self and being aware of what makes you feel good and not even I don't mean even literally like what gets you off but what puts you in the mood in a way that's kind of present yeah exactly yeah feels amazing it feels amazing like every like women people who have a vagina biologically we have got a clitoris mm -hmm. that has literally only one function and it is pleasure so you know we do everything else for pleasure you know we eat we drink we get massages we take baths we do all these things so of course when there's something literally between your legs that gives you that feeling of course you can call that self-care, you can call it self-love, you can call it whatever you want, but you practice it and, you know, unapologetically lap up that sensation and that feeling because it does, it it makes you feel great. And that is Definitely. And a it's so very sacred to, form of self-care, in my opinion. Pain or fatigue or, you know, something that makes you feel like your body is against you to then realize the, the incredible potential that your body has for giving you pleasure mm. and for being this kind of beautiful, sensual, erotic thing that all bodies are. Yes, if we ever do record an episode for ASMR, <laughs> yes, we definitely. know what I think is. as well that I, through illness again, and I, I kind of, when I came into this, I was aware of I didn't want everything to be so much about illness, but then I realised that it has radically changed my perspective on pretty much everything. So it's kind of impossible to avoid. Um, illness made me realize mm. that I needed to adapt my practices to what was good for my body. You know, I was always an, I was always an acoustic gal, always a hand user, um, you know, ever since childhood. And I, I started very <laughs> young. Um, and it was something that I, was like, okay, I'm never gonna change this. This is, I've got it down. This is my method. This is what gets me there. This is what gets me there super freaking fast. And that's it. And then I got to a point where it's like, actually, I'm not really enjoying yeah. myself. Obviously you you enjoy the sensations and you, orgasms are great and all of that. But it was something that was like, okay, right. I'm horny. Now I'm gonna have a wank. Okay, that's done. And then I was thinking, it was like, okay, I don't have that 
energy to do that burst. And plus I have um, a permanently subluxated shoulder in my right arm, which meant that it was actually quite painful sometimes to, um, so I did some research and I bought some toys and I took my time and I figured out what made me feel good. What wasn't gonna hurt my body because I think that sex is one of those things where we do sometimes sacrifice, um, especially as uh, women or vagina owners, um, we do sometimes sacrifice our our feeling of of comfort and um, yeah, you know, allow for pain or discomfort because we think that it should be normal when it it really isn't. And I think making sure that you know what makes you feel good without having any discomfort you know for me that that was a there was a moment of kind of grief around that I was like okay well I can't I can't at least as frequently as I used to just use my hand because it literally hurts my body to do so and that was really difficult to come to terms with but also so important because prioritizing yeah. my comfort and not allowing pain to become something that I accept as part of my practice of pleasure means that that only happen when it's with myself, but it also happens with partners. Yeah. If I don't allow pain to be a part of my experience, then I will do whatever it takes to minimize Mm. pain. I mean, minimize unwanted pain. (laughs) Just going to clarify that. between pain and something that is yes, part of a exactly unwanted intentional there is um giving or, re- or receiving of pain and pain that's just okay i have to put up with this because that is a, just an inevitable part of experiencing sexual pleasure um and yeah you don't i don't you don't need to to put up with that you know yeah and if you're with partners who don't allow for you know, needing, some people need to use toys, some people need to use support cushions, some people, you know, you need to be able to learn what feels good for you so that you can tell someone, this is what feels good for me. And if you aren't okay with that, then you can go away. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Thank you. Next. (laughs) There is, there's so much to be said on this topic. um, And it is it is so true you know you can literally make your own self-care rituals out of masturbation Um, I read a book before that just changed my life called Pussy by Regina and a surname I can't pronounce it's like the length of my arm Um, she's an American author and in it um, I'll, I'll never forget it she gives you this exercise to do it's a masturbation exercise that lasts a whole freaking day. Um, and I don't mean you're masturbating for the whole day because, you know, sex and being turned on and orgasm is um, contextual as well. So it's like this exercise where the whole day you are loving on yourself. It gets to the point where you come home from work or whatever it is you do that day and you you basically dress up for yourself and you clean your kitchen and you fill it with like fresh flowers or something that makes you feel good and you cook yourself a sexy dinner and then you take yourself you whisk yourself off to the bedroom and you perform your masturbation and let me tell you to this day that was one of the best days of my life (laughs) Um, but yeah there's so much to be said on this topic and yes masturbation is a form of sacred self-care 
And I understand that this might be, you know, uncomfortable for some people. Um, I doubt anyone listening to my podcast would be uncomfortable with this topic. But if you're new and it is uncomfortable for you, maybe for, you know, uh, traumatic reasons or religious reasons or whatnot, um, I just encourage you to, you know, really sit with that and, and you know, think about it and and educate yourself and read more and, and you know, just think about things. Um, for me personally, I... I literally, I have owned sex toys in the past and um, pleasure toys, but I currently don't own anything. Um, and there's a lot to be said about, you know, you know, how people get pleasure. Um, and some people really, really do, you know, lap up on on the, the toys and the equipment and the incredible things that is now, you know, available for us to buy. Like, what a fucking empowering movement for a woman. I should have done some research in advance it, what it happened, but there are, like, examples of, of, like, really early dildos, like, way earlier than you would would assume. I mean, I guess I'd, I'd assume pretty much day one. Um, but one may not assume that. <laughs> um yeah it's always been you know we, we've always known what what feels good it's just we've often been shamed for it or we haven't been allowed to say it um you know for, for women it's um becoming way more normal that um sex toys are used whereas yeah. for men you know things like flashlights for example are still kind of like greeted with with ridicule because it's supposed you know if you're a man then you should be able to go and find real women and yeah it's good fuck women you know for, for penis owners um there seems to be this massive bonus <laughs> on, on yeah going and fucking something living um which you know, a whole other I could go into a big rant on that but I'm not going to yeah um but yeah I think we need to make sure that in this conversation <laughs> that we have around sexuality that it is including people who own penises as well own <laughs> I mean I own quite a bit um It is. It absolutely is. Um, and also when when we talk about those, you know, sex toys for uh, people with penises, we're not talking about, well, no, I'm not talking you know, things about like, those um, tango sex dolls and, that and look like blow up Barbies. Butt plugs and stuff like there's a big, luckily, yeah. there's a big revolution happening around guys with butt stuff, which is a-okay with me. Um <laughs> <laughs> we love the butt stuff on the podcast um, <laughs> so we we've we've basically come full circle you know from skincare in the morning um, baths to butt stuff yeah i fucking I think love it in my my list of things i have one more thing that's weekly and then i feel like for the monthly stuff we could maybe do a separate thing because that's a lot about activism um, and about education um, and how that can be involved in your self-care practice and I feel like that deserves a lot more space I guess um. it does <laughs> and so you can you guess, listening can um, be excited for that episode or at least you know finish my list um, on one that's been super important to me um, is which is therapy um I go to therapy every week um yeah. and that is a massive massive 
and probably one of the most important parts of my self-care practice. Um, I was in and out of therapy for a lot of my life and I didn't really enjoy, I mean, enjoy is probably not the right, right word, but I didn't get on with a lot of it. Um, I am incredibly privileged in that I can afford to pay for private therapy. Um, I know that a lot of people can't do that. And I know that the NHS system when it comes mm -hmm. to mental health is generally underfunded even it by the standards of the NHS which is already underfunded um I told myself I was going to do some research before I came on and then I forgot um to find organizations which um help fund people who can't afford therapy because I know that there are some that exist so I might try and do some research and find some of them um but what I guess I, I want to talk about when it comes to therapy is not necessarily that it is going to therapy every week for me that is an incredibly important part of my self-care but it's not available to everyone but I think what I want to put the emphasis on is doing the yeah. work like it is incredibly it is work and it's hard but it's also so caring yeah and so loving and not just for you but for everyone who loves you um you know doing doing the work figuring out what what mm, you need yeah, to work yes, on well, the things that that hold you back the things that maybe make you closed off in relationships the things that maybe make you you know feel gross <laughs> I guess figuring out what they are it's so true it is it is so true and you know again so much to be said on the topic of therapy especially you know from myself who comes from a therapeutic background you know working with creative expressive therapies my question for you is what what form of therapy is it that you receive weekly you know what is it that exactly. works for you so, because you know, I, that, that's another thing isn't it it's finding because um, your therapy um, had a you know depression since I was basically a child um I had various talking counsellors and I saw CBT and none of it really stuck currently I'm in talking therapy um, my therapist is a existential psychologist um, so we being an existential psychologist it's mm. it's more about how things impact you in in the now um, rather than going back into reliving kind of traumatic experiences obviously we touch on traumatic experiences but we touch in, on them in a way that if they impact my life now then we need to figure out how and why and what we can do about that because you know existentialism is all about your experience and your your lived experience um definitely but it's I love that also, I love it's a nice balance because I always found focus. things like CBT really difficult um because it was all about the kind of like implementing things in your life and I'd be like well this just isn't working because it's not tackling any of the root issues you know I remember being in a severely depressive episode in in first year of university um where my I had a CBT therapist that was like you gotta go see your friends if you see your friends more you'll feel better and I'd go and see my friends and I would feel awful. And I'd say to her, do you, do you understand how horrible it is to see the people that you're supposed to love and feel nothing? And for me, in those instances, doing the things that were supposed yes. to make me feel better 
and still not feeling better made me feel way worse and made me feel guilty about feeling bad um whereas the therapy that I'm in now I mean I'm lucky I'm not in such a a dark place mentally I'm strangely my physical health looking after that is one of the main reasons I think why my mental health is so much better um but it's not about okay here's how you change your life it's okay how is your life right now what are the things that are addressing it and just talking and figuring out okay I feel this way sitting with that feeling really experiencing the feeling you know where is it where do you feel it in your body um what is it coming from Mm. you know it's 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 talking therapy so I'm talking a lot and I enjoy that (laughs) in life just talking um I think that's the most important thing that therapy gives you is a space for <laughs> non-judgmental talking and it, you're not worried about that balance you know I, I feel a lot in my day-to-day life and, and my um, experiences with with other people even with friends who I know love me who I know care about me who I know wouldn't feel feel this way I feel like you know, if a conversation has become a little bit more weighted to my problems or what's going on with me, I'm like, oh God, like what's going on with you? And then talk about them because I feel guilty for taking up that space, um, which is ridiculous. And I'm trying to work on that. And it's something that I am getting better at. And having therapy is so good for that because it is all about you. In my case, I'm literally paying for someone to listen to me talk. I don't have to stop and be like, oh, but how are you? You know? and that's okay like that need you need that everyone yeah everyone needs to have a time when they can just talk and be listened to and not feel guilty about an imbalance in the conversation or not worry that people thinking that you're self-absorbed or any of that stuff just unapologetically talking about yourself and what's going on because our inner lives are so rich and there is so much to say there that we just don't for most of our lives. Yeah. Absolutely. The the power of being witnessed is magic. And like you said, a therapist is not only trained and qualified, they are, you know, devoted in a sense that is what they have chosen been called to do like that is you know their dharma like no one just wakes up one day and says I'm gonna be a therapist that that person is there to hold space for you that is not only their job that is what they have chosen to do and for you to be witnessed and be in that space unapologetically and and not you know, it's not yourself in relation to another being. It's yourself in relation to yourself and someone else is mm-hmm. holding that space for you. And that is not something that anyone can do on their own. Um, so, yeah, oh, <laughs> so beautiful. And and there is a, just like the bath, okay? Anyone who doesn't like a bath, you know, you've not had the right bath. Anyone who, you know, hasn't mm-hmm. benefited from therapy yet, you know, you just haven't found your therapy. You haven't found your jam. Um, and again, so yeah, so, so, so beautiful. <laughs> and I am so happy to hear that, Nancy. 
<laughs> Amazing. So um, I really, really enjoyed this uh, podcast. I think it's been one of my favorite that I've ever recorded. Fingers crossed that it turned out okay with this new tech um, that we're working with. Before I send you off, um, where okay, can people so find baby creation you and us? You can find our, our baby on Facebook um, at Creation Poetry Online Community Poetry. Um, no, Online Poetry <laughs> Community um, on Facebook. Um, we're also on Instagram at, at uh, Creation O. <laughs> PC um and I think that's all for creation as as for me um I pretty much live on Instagram so um probably the best place to find me which is at mouse underscore teeth um I also have a <laughs> website uh, which is nancydawkins.com um, which is pretty easy to remember even though I nearly forgot it <laughs> um has a lot of my my work and links to my music and everything <laughs> so that's kind of like a hub of everything I do I guess yeah amazing well thank you so much for po- coming on the podcast I look forward to our next episode Ooh, what an amazing woman with an amazing story and many amazing things to say yes I am aware how much I say the word amazing in every episode but you love it I know you do the poem at the end of this episode is called the moon love and light for the cycles ahead remember to hydrate masturbate and always handle with care No one ever looks up at the sky and says, look how ugly the moon is. And the moon is full of craters. She's been battered by crashing bits of the cosmos for 4.51 billion years. And instead of shying away and hiding her wounds, she lights them up. Enough for a whole planet to see and waits for the darkness. Extra emphasis. Look at me. Now that's what I call beauty.